Section 17 of O. Henry Encore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Houston Romance. About two years ago, one of the most popular young society men in Houston mysteriously disappeared. He had been the glass of fashion and the mold of form of the Magnolia City for several years. Especially was he noted for his exquisite and fashionable dress, and he was regarded as the leader in bringing out the latest and correct styles of clothing. No one in Houston ever saw a wrinkle in his elegantly fitting clothes or a spot upon his snowy linen. He possessed sufficient means to enable him to devote his whole time to society and the art of dress, and in his whole bearing and manners was well-nigh equal to the famous Beau Brummel. About a year ago, it was noticed that he was beginning to grow preoccupied and reserved. His gay and gallant manner was as Chesterfieldian as ever, but he was becoming more silent and moody, and there seemed to be something weighing upon his mind. Suddenly, without a word of farewell, he disappeared, and no traces of him could be discovered. He left a good balance in the bank to his credit and society racked its brains to conjecture some reason for his mysterious disappearance. He had no relatives in Houston, and, with proverbial fickleness, his acquaintances and butterfly friends soon allowed him to pass from their minds. The mystery has at length been cleared up. A young Houston merchant, who was an intimate associate with the young society man, took a trip to Europe in September. While in Italy, he had a desire to visit one of the old monasteries among the Alps, so one day he ascended the Passo di San Giacomo, a road a little wider than a bridle path that led up for 7,000 feet among the glaciers of the Leopontine Alps. Far up, perched upon a snow-covered crag, he could see the monastery of the Franciscan monks, the Mennonite friars of the Cismontana group of the Franciscans. He picked his cautious way up the narrow way, pausing now and then to admire the rainbow hues that flashed from frozen glaciers, or the vast drifts of snow packed among the crevasses high above his head. After six hours' arduous toil, he stood before the massive iron gates of the monastery. He rang the bell, and a grim warden bade him enter and partake of the hospitality of the brothers. He was ushered into a vast dim hall with walls and floors of cold gray stone. The monk who admitted him bade him wait, as the brothers were about to pass through on their way to their cells from evening prayer. A deep-toned bell clanged once, a great door softly opened, and a procession of shaved monks filed slowly and noiselessly past. Their heads were bowed, and as they told their beads, their lips moved in silent prayer. As they came past the visitor, he was astounded to see among the devout monks the form of the man who had once been the curled darling and pattern of elegance in Houston. He called his name, and the monk, startled by his voice, raised his head and stepped from the ranks of his brother of penitence. The others continued their silent march until another great door had closed behind them. The Houston man gazed at the friar in wonder. He wore a long black robe, slightly confined at the waist by a hempen cord that hung to his feet in classic shapely folds. The crown of his head was shaven, 
and his face was as smooth as a maiden's. But the most noticeable thing was the expression of absolute peace and serene happiness that shone from his features. There was no trace of the worried and absent look his friends had noticed before he disappeared. A calm and holy beatitude beamed from his face like a benison. In heaven's name, said his friend, what brought you here to bury yourself forever from the world? Why did you leave your friends and pleasures to pass your days in this dreary place? Listen, said the monk, and I will tell you, I am now supremely and ecstatically happy. I have attained the goal of my desires. Look at this robe. He glanced proudly at the dark, severe robe that swept downward from his waist in graceful folds. I am one man, he continued, who has arrived at the fruition of his dearest earthly hopes. I have got something on, at least, that will not bag at the knees. Houston Daily Post, Sunday morning, November 24, 1895. End of section 17.